Our scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of St. John, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. The familiar story of the wedding at Cana of Galilee. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. And so they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. And Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our scripture this morning in John's gospel is all about miracles. The gospel of John jumps us from the miracle of Jesus' birth into the first miracle Jesus performed at the beginning of his ministry in Cana of Galilee. And just like at Jesus' birth, Jesus was not surrounded by the powerful and the mighty. He was surrounded by those who were called to serve. From the shepherds in the field to the wedding banquet, Jesus first revealed his glory to those surrounding him at the very beginning of his ministry. Weddings in Galilee at that time were much different from what we expect at weddings today. The food and the partying went on for days and days and days, sometimes even lasting an entire week. And into the scene, Jesus walks with his closest friends, his soon-to-be disciples. And Jesus came because he was simply invited as a guest, along with his mother Mary, he came as a man. Suddenly, his mother notices that the hosts are running out of wine. And Mary makes a short but simple statement to her son, they have no wine. And this leads to Jesus' first miracle. And I believe Mary knew Jesus could take care of solving the wine shortage and helping the host escape an embarrassing situation. But then I asked the question, how did she know? How did she know? 
After instructing the servants what they must do, Jesus gives the bridal party new wine. But we have to be very careful how we interpret this amazing story this morning. If we think that the point of the story is just the wine, then we're sadly and sorely mistaken. For Jesus gives the wine to show the abundance of God's blessings in our midst. Jesus turns the water into wine to display the extraordinarily creative power of God in the midst of something that really was fairly ordinary, a neighborhood wedding. And remember, it was only the servants who first knew of the miracle, and the news then spread from there. For God's miracle of turning the water into wine teaches us that in the midst of our ordinary circumstances, God can break into our lives and fill us to overflowing with his presence and power. I got a call at the beginning of the week from my dear, dear friend, Barry, who has been suffering with pancreatic cancer. I got a text this morning that he went on to be with Jesus in the wee hours of today. One of his prayers. But at the beginning of the week, he was having an extremely difficult time. He had gone in to have a simple procedure, and we all know that <laughs> nothing is really simple. My father-in-law, who was a physician, said, there's no surgery that's a simple surgery. And complications set in, an infection, and he was in just a tremendous amount of pain. He called me from the ER and said, please pray. He said, I really can't bear this alone. And as they checked in, he said, the ER at Baptist in Jacksonville looked like a war zone. The people were wall to wall, potential COVID patients, people hanging outside, family members waiting. They told him it would be eight hours before he could see someone. He called his physician and I think they texted someone on their staff. He said within 10 minutes, there was a, a young lady standing beside him. Her name was Courtney. She was in the youth group with my daughter Taylor and their best friends. And she just a couple of years ago got her physician's assistant credentials. And he found out she had assisted in this simple minor surgery. She said, Mr. Henry, follow me. took him into the back and began to clean his wound and give him some antibiotics and help him get comfortable and feel better. And he said, Wayne, she was like an angel, an angel that appeared out of nowhere. And she took care of me. At the wedding at Cana, 
Jesus helps us understand the power of God, you see, to break into our world, whatever it may be, and bring us life's best. To give us good things and bring us true happiness and abundant joy. Even in the midst of our dying sometimes, God can be present in such amazing ways. For you see, I believe it is the Lord of life that we meet inside the simple story of this wedding at Cana. It is the story of abundant life we find in Jesus Christ that is infinitely more than just existing. It is life that opens up the windows of heaven for us and inspires us to recognize and even supply the needs of all who have run out of life's wine whose cups may be near empty. It's a calling to minister to those who are running on empty sometimes and in need of their cups being filled again. In this simple story of the wedding at Cana, Jesus was sharing the unexpected gospel of his love, you see. And when we read about the miracles of Jesus, we assume they are spectacular events with spotlights and sound systems. But the miracle at Cana was virtually unnoticed and unexpected. So how might this unexpected miracle apply to you and me? I truly believe that throughout our lives we are confronted with unplanned and unexpected situations and circumstances. And Jesus took and can take the inconspicuous and the unexpected event in our lives and turn it into something miraculous. Turning the water into wine, he made it the unexpected statement of his authority and independence. Indeed, the beginning of his ministry on earth. As the Son of God, Jesus grasped that moment and began to teach. As Christians, we are sometimes called to grasp the unexpected moments in our lives and allow our faith to materialize in such ways that we are shaped and molded for something sometimes larger than ourselves. The center of our scripture this morning is simply the truth that Jesus is at a wedding party. The party runs out of wine, and no one from the wedding party bothers to tell Jesus. Mary knew what was going on. She simply said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus replies to his mother, woman, what concern is that to you or to me? And then Jesus reminds her, it's not my hour. It's not my time. And so immediately we might ask, well, isn't this a story about a wedding? <laughs> Not really. It's a story about the uncommon wedding guest, Jesus. And there are three clues this morning from the gospel to understanding our story today. The first is this, that Jesus uses a village party not as an opportunity to make people happy, but as the author explains, this was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. 
This is the first time people could get a glimpse of who he really was. And even the wine steward didn't know or understand what was going on, but, but can you blame him? Jesus has revealed the glory of God not in high and lofty places, but in the middle of a wedding reception. He revealed the presence of God not in the reverent hush of a wedding performed in a sacred sanctuary, but in the neighborhood bash, in the backyard with relatives overflowing. After all, this is the central theme of John's gospel for us. Where do we find the fullness of God's glory? Not in the rituals and lofty traditions of organized religion, but in a specific human being, in a specific person, Jesus of Nazareth. The eternal word becomes flesh. And suddenly his fully human becomes fully divine. And knowing this does more than make people happy. It satisfies the deepest longings of the human heart to know that God through Jesus Christ has come down to touch our lives, to bring us healing and hope, to bring indeed a miracle. This brings us to a second clue to the story's meaning this morning. If Jesus is to reveal the everlasting God, then some established customs are going to have to be broken. At Cana, Jesus used six large stone jars as carafes for new wine. Those jars were normally filled with water for purification ceremonies, for ritual cleansing, hand washing, before worship. Jesus claimed the authority to break through the rules, you see, to put those jars to another use, a more important use. We got to see the unearthed artifacts of several of these water jars a number of years ago on our trip to Israel, and they were huge. I was reflecting with Benson Green this morning after our 8.30 service how huge they were, like four to five to six feet tall, huge. Two to three feet wide, it would have been enough wine to fill over a thousand modern-day wine bottles. And for those who knew what Jesus was doing, it was disturbing. To say the least, it was disturbing. But again, only those who were serving that day understood and saw what was going on. Imagine, if you will, for a moment, a church member holding a wedding reception in Moore Hall while the crystal punch bowl is being carried out of the kitchen, the caterer slips and it smashes on the floor. And Uncle Bill, one of our trustees, says, don't panic, I know something we can use. And he runs upstairs and grabs our baptismal font, rolls it out the door onto the elevator, takes it down into Moore Hall, the caterers fill it with Canada Dry ginger ale and cranberry juice. And the baptismal font becomes a punch bowl. You're beginning to get the picture? It was disruptive. It was unheard of. It was probably unacceptable. 
to those who were there from the Jewish faith. It goes to show there's no telling what ancient rituals Jesus will break through in order to disclose the presence and power of God. All we can be sure of is that God's glory will not be reduced to traditions and rituals. And according to the fourth gospel, John's gospel, Jesus Christ is not interested at all in maintaining stale religious customs and established patterns. Rather, he is concerned with bringing us into the presence of the eternal God. And if you read the gospel of John, you get a clear impression that whatever happened in Cana can happen anywhere at any time. And the scripture describing the wedding at Cana begins with this phrase. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Do you realize that with Jesus around every day is the third day of the wedding feast? If we have eyes to see or ears to hear, we see minor miracles every day, significant transformations that happen in your life or in my life. They are no less far-reaching than what happened that day in Cana. For when such a moment happens, the actual event is significant, but it's, it's nowhere as important as what happens to us in the midst of that event. Some of you here this morning have had some of those miracles. A sign from heaven that redirected you. A healing that was needed in the midst of a severe illness. something to turn you around, to prompt you to participate in God's timetable for the world. A push, a nudge, a spoken word. Rosa Parks had one such nudge when she did not give up her seat on the back of that bus. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had one such nudge when he led folks to a different understanding of what it means to be free and to be accepted and to be loved. Every day can be a third day if Christ's holy presence is with us. Even, even so, maybe you know how disruptive that can be. One of the things God continues to teach me is that if we are to become new creations in Christ Jesus, we have to let go of the old patterns, the familiar ways, the comfortable habits. And that's not easy. We have our granddaughters with us this weekend, and I am uh, the cook. Now, their daddy is a gourmet cook, and Pops is not. 
So as I was making the broccoli last night, my instructions were very clear. Pops, it's not crispy enough. <laughs> it's not like Daddy makes it. I don't really like it. So back in the oven it went. Another try at browning and getting it a little crispier. Change is hard. New ways are hard. Beginning over is hard. We've all been trying to do some of that with our New Year's resolutions, haven't we? But change can be disruptive to our lives. I, I promised myself I would walk every day since the new year, and I've already lost that promise. Changes demand all the strength and courage we can find and muster sometimes, but if we're able to embrace what God is doing, we may find that some of the best wine, that some of the best blessings have been saved until now. All of this points us to the third clue, that third insight into the story this morning, namely that when new life comes, when the new wine is poured, it is the gift of Jesus Christ. That our blessings are a gift from God. Just to recall a couple of the stories from the Gospel of John that remind us of God's continued blessings. A multitude of people gathered around Jesus on a hillside, hungry, sick, needing healing, needing to be fed. And Philip asked, how are we going to feed all these people? The writer of John says, Jesus, ask Philip that question as well. And even though Jesus already knew what he was going to do, he used it as a teaching moment because he knew he was going to feed the crowd that day. And with more than 5,000, not counting women and children, from loaves of bread to baskets of fish, they were fed. On another occasion, some messengers came to Jesus and they said, Your friend Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, is sick. He's near death. And now, says John, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He truly loved them. But what does Jesus choose to do? Well, Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, and he stays two days longer in the place where he was before he arrived. And then, and only then, he sets out for the tomb to raise Lazarus from the dead. In the Gospel of John, the Cana story Jesus is never surprised. He's never caught off guard. He never improvises for the occasion. By contrast, he always acts intentionally and deliberately, for he is the Lord Almighty. He comes to show us what God is like, that God is always love. And in the Cana story, Jesus meets the needs of that community. But he does more. Compassion alone might provide the wine, but sovereign grace does the work. It reveals God in what is being done. For on the third day, on the third day, Jesus turned water into wine. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And if every day is the third day, there's no telling what the risen Christ might do among you and me as he comes to us with his wild, 
unpredictable, unfathomable grace. So what miracle are you looking for this morning? What sign of God's grace? Maybe your cup is a little empty today. Maybe like me, you need someone to fill it up a bit. My good friend Dick Blanchard wrote this hymn on a day in which he was extremely sort of down and needed to be lifted up. The chorus simply says, fill my cup, Lord. Turn with me in your hymnals to 641, and I want us to sing it a couple of times through before our closing hymn today. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Let us pray. Gracious God, you know our needs before we ask, and even our ignorance in asking. But Lord, we are faithful to approach your throne of grace. Fill us with your love. Make us one. In a country, a city, a, a town, a world, that so desperately needs your love to bind us together, to realize, Lord, your miraculous acts in our midst and your power from on high. Help others know, Lord, who we are by our love this day. And all God's people said, Amen.